For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. everyone welcome back to another episode of lead singer syndrome i know the world is very crazy right now and i hope you're staying home staying away from other people doing all the things that we're supposed to do wherever you live man it's wild um last week we had a very intense episode i spoke to olga of the Svetlanas. She's currently on lockdown in Italy. I'm sure you've heard over there is, well, they got it the worst of just about anywhere, maybe outside New York City now. That's something else. Um, But anyway, this week, maybe we're just going to forget about it for a minute. Maybe we need a little bit of an escape. Maybe it's time to remember like a month ago when I talked to Bert McCracken of The Used, today's guest, when this wasn't in the forefront of every single decision and every single conversation and every single newscast and everything you listen to and watch. So for once, maybe we will just put this thing aside for like an hour and we'll hear a conversation with one of the best front men in the scene A hell of a nice guy, a guy who's always been a sweetheart to me, and a guy who's been, man, requested so heavily on this program for years. I think like three years ago or something, we were supposed to do one of these and it never happened, but I'm really stoked that Bert took the time on a show day back, I should give you some context, I think it was late February, maybe February 21st, we recorded this one, so just about a month ago. And it's crazy, back then, COVID-19, we didn't even bring it up. It was not even talked about yet. So anyway, it's a great conversation. I cannot wait 
for you to hear it. By the way, if you want to get in touch with me, you always can. You can send me an email. I got lots of time. So yes, please send me an email. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, look, I'm out of work. Um, The podcast is still going. I think we need it more now than ever. It will not be slowed down or stopped or anything. We're going to keep this going. I got lots of great episodes coming up as well. But hey, if you want to help me out, if you want to help this show keep going, please check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club and a shout out to all the new members. A lot of people have pitched in, which is really, really cool. So yes, head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. And here's my spiel. For as little as $6 a month, you get access to a whole bunch of bonus content, bonus episodes, merchandise, and a great community of other fans of the show. I would say that we do meetups all around the world, but currently no one is meeting up anywhere. But hey, one day we will do that all again. I hope so. So much for not talking about coronavirus, huh? Well, anyway, that's enough talk. Let's get into it. And my conversation with Burt McCracken of The Used. How's it going today? Good. Good. Towards the end, so uh, you are, yeah, Albuquerque. I saw. You know that feeling. Two more shows. You know how that feels. It's the best, isn't it? Or the worst? <laughs> Why is it the worst? Uh, it's the best. It's just tour, tour. Like once you, I feel like once you're always halfway or three fourths of the way into the tour, it's everybody's in perfect tour shape, and then you're actually ready to tour. And then, <laughs> totally. And totally. then it's over. No, like. If- as a singer, and I know you've had you know some vocal problems, but it's been pretty good for the last few years, I guess. Yeah, from at least for me, it's always the first week is the worst. Once I get through the first week, I'm kind of I'm kind of good. But you're right, like by the end, it's like how many in a row? Fuck, I'll do whatever in a row, man. I'm I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm almost the opposite. I'm really really good for the first week. I'm really oh, yeah? like my my voice. Um, it's yeah, it's strange. The first like five or six shows will be some of the best shows I've ever played, and then, um, yeah, I'll inevitably lose my voice. Mm. It's the worst. Uh, it's still a struggle. I don't know if surgery helped at all, um, or if it's just that you know I don't really, I don't really train my vocals off season. You know right. what I mean? Right. That's for me. That's exactly what it is. I, I'm lazy and I don't work, and then I just it's the first show, and I'm like, how long are we playing? Shit, I got to do how long. And it's like, yeah, it can be tough at the beginning, but I didn't know you had full on vocal surgery. Uh, when yeah, was, was, when uh, was that? I think it was 2006 or seven or eight, somewhere around there. We had, we had to cancel. We were supposed to do a warp tour. Oh yeah. Maybe I do remember that. And the nodule in my throat was so bad that it just it really wouldn't even let me sing. I, you know, I kind of took their advice and was like, okay, I'll just get the surgery. In hindsight, I probably would have just rested on the voice, let the nodule kind of relax and let the swelling heal, and then I probably would have just been fine, but I was young and impressionable, and 
wanted a surgery by Michael Jackson's doctor. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. So this tour, um, really small rooms. Uh, has it been fun? So much fun. <clears throat> it's good to get back to the places we've, we recognize most of these clubs from like our right. very, very first tours, maybe in like a tour with Goldfinger, real big fish, silver, <laughs> um, not silver chair. Uh, what was that other band? Oh, uh, Sugar Colt. Oh Sugar my God, Colt. Yeah, yeah. I believe I almost forgot Sugar Colt. Yeah, Shout we did a tour with. Yeah, and Aaron, the good yeah. dudes. Um, yeah, we we were in the Sunshine Theater here in Albuquerque, and we played the same club on our very very first tour out with Goldfinger. It was probably in in two thousand. So, yeah, it's a spooky place. Apparently, it's super haunted, and like <laughs> weird shit always happens there. Like there's a there's like horrible buzz on stage, and. You know, like stuff, I don't know, stuff always gets like unplugged. It's like real weird there. <laughs> Love it. Good memories. Best um, of luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool. These are all like, these are all uh, those small rooms for, for punk rock shows. So anything that does go wrong is just part of the intimacy, I think. We've totally. had some, we've had some crazy moments on this tour. I think in, it was Chicago. We went out, we've been opening up every show with the, with I'm a fake, which starts with a big, big poem beforehand. So I get through the poem, the song starts and all the power in the whole venue goes off. It's like, <laughs> oh man, what do we do? Do we start over? Do we just, Oh, it's the worst. It's, it it's the like worst, but it's the best, to get you know, the power back on yeah, 10 minutes. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. So stalling out, practicing our stand up routine for 10 minutes. Did you have at least a microphone or was that off too? Yeah. The mic was, um, the mic was the only thing that worked. So everything uh, else, stage power, even the lights cut out. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the magic of these little shows though, isn't it? It's like anything's possible. I think when, when a show goes down perfectly smoothly, you, um, it tends to get kind of lost in the, in the mix of multitudinous shows you've played. And when there's, if you get hurt or if something goes wrong, you tend to remember that show. Yep. It's, it's absolutely, it's, it's not, it's like not a good thing, but it's, it's a necessary thing. Otherwise, what the, what would we have to talk about on something like this? Right. Right. So, so you are bringing in, actually, it's interesting. You have a band called drag dragged under, uh, opening for you guys, completely unsigned band. One of the members is actually, uh, in the podcast, all access club actually for this. So they're big fans of the show. How does that happen that you have, you know, a band literally no one's ever heard of opening for you i mean you could have gotten just about anyone so that's 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 a pretty cool thing you guys did yeah there's so many bands out there nowadays and there's so many um people trying different strategies i'm sure by the end of this tour they will have kind of secured themselves a sweet little deal with someone but yeah yeah we we um we heard about these guys through our new guitar player joey he's actually their manager so it worked out perfectly there you go yeah, so small little connections, but the used crowd, the used fans are absolutely loving them, and um, yeah, they've been a really, really fun bunch to tour with. Cool. So new records coming out April twenty fourth. Heartwork. Um, if that'll be here before we know it, still a couple months away now. Um, tell me about this record. I mean, I know you went back and you're working with John Feldman again. Uh, he's you know, a big part of the business side now, like you're on his, um, his company, big noise. How did this all kind of happen? Cause I really feel like you guys are like the band has kind of come full circle again. 
obviously like new members uh but there's this new breath of life i feel like is just in the band right now that maybe you guys haven't had in a couple albums right yeah i think that um it kind of sometimes it takes a crash to kind of realize how sweet your car was or (laughs) you know what i mean yeah So, so the ups and downs are always part of the story that can be a biggest part of the inspirational backstory i think we've we've had a few records that um we're kind of just going through the motions maybe a little bit and uh our last record we did with ross robinson was a full-blown like art experiment we you know we wanted to do the whole thing on tape and yep. um, I, w- I wanted to kind of avoid singles at all costs and um this record was really personal about the death of my friend and um, yeah. i wanted it to be a full-blown like project for um to test art's ability to grieve and it was it was terrible it was awful but it was also some of the most cathartic and and it's, i've never learned more about myself or about the music process it was just such an insane and incredible experience especially to see how bands used to do it and how how kind of insanely difficult it is to have to put something down on tape and how lucky we are to have um things like pro tools and totally digital recording you must have recorded like bands back in the day must have did you ever record a tape before well um like a little bit but never really i mean we had a by the time the use was like putting down demos we had like a little digital br8 so we at least had eight tracks to work with and you know we had the little bit of the ability to cut and get in there but yeah um I think that this time around with, with, you know, two guitar players coming and going and yeah. both and en- both ending really, really horribly. And, you know, for, for, um, for very similar reasons, I think, um, it's easy to forget about how special something is when you're kind of on the inside of the bubble of it. Um, but I think that that combination with, um, just getting older, I, you know, towards the beginning of 2019, picking up my daughter, was more difficult than it had ever felt. And that was unacceptable in my mind to be a, a weak ass dad. So <laughs> started, started getting myself in shape and started yeah. uh, really taking health very seriously. And, and that kind of spiraled out into everything serious. This band is dead serious. I'm dead serious about lyrics. I'm dead serious about literature. Um, yeah, it feels good to just be fully sink our teeth in. And I wasn't quite sure that Feldman would even want to work with us again after imaginary enemy. I was quite the, um, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a difficult person to work with, especially when I have my, my mindset on something and yeah, that, that record was just a bit of a, it was a test of both of our friendship, but yeah, when we talked about doing the record, we, we, met up with Feldman. We noticed a Feldman that we kind of had never seen before. He's really, he's really grown and changed and relaxed quite a bit. Not right. that he wasn't a beautiful, wonderful, amazing, hardworking person before that. But I think just the, the, the years that have gone by have a, kind of allowed a little bit more trust and a little bit more, yep. um, a little bit more freedom in the studio. If anything, we wanted to make a record that was fun we wanted to concentrate on just having a good time in the studio. And I think, I think a couple months before we even went into Feldman, we talked about 
um, doing something we've never, ever done before. And that's just saying yes to every opportunity. If, and if anything comes up, say yes until the very, very end. And then <laughs> if you seriously can't stand it, you can say no then. But right. up until the very end, say yes to literally everything. And yeah, that was the, that was the process. It was never about, well, we need this kind of song for the record. We need that kind of song. It was just like, let's get in there, make fun songs like the first and second, third record. Um, and it really, it really did. It felt like that. It was, uh, everybody's heads in, everybody helped with lyrics this time around, which is way different. Um, everybody helped with every part. So it felt like, um, yeah, really this kind of team effort. Well, I feel like that, you know, the three of you guys in the band now, you know, Jeff, uh, yourself and Dan, you know, with Quinn and, and Justin and, and all the turmoil that happened, it probably brought you guys ultimately closer together as a unit, right? 100%. Yeah. We- and, and I feel that, you know, I, even from the outside looking in, I feel that love. And, and I, you know, you talk about the art experiment that in some ways was important for you, but I guess commercially was a failure. Um, you know, you th- almost had to make that to make this. Right. I agree. I think that a band like the used has always been about feelings first. And, um, yeah, we never had any intentions for how big the band was going to be or how, right. how much commercial success we were going to have. All of my favorite bands, if you look on there, if you look online, their, their, you know, monthly listener group is, is fairly small compared to <laughs> what it would be. So none of that really ever mattered. I think that the, the, the most important part to me was the connection with the words and those, you know, nine to 12 problems that every human can share that every human experiences that I feel like I can write about in a way that everyone can kind of take to take those words for their own, for their own benefit. And yeah, that's the, that's the side of music to me that always kind of made sense. And I guess in, in a way that is what's more emo than just the feeling of the music. Right. It's, it's pretty cool. But it's almost like you finally hit, you know, bands. Okay. Bands always talk about, we made a mature record, right? Or we're mature now. It's it's a word that gets thrown around that's like, it kind of, I think at this point, everyone sort of rolls their eyes when they hear that term. And I feel like you guys, when you started, you know, you were so young, uh, pretty fucked up, uh, to be fair. And, you know, you went through all these periods where it was just a whirlwind and then all of a sudden things slowed down a little bit. And I think you tried to do what you thought was mature. But now at the age of, well, your birthday is coming up in a few days. You're going to be, what, 38? I feel like yeah. now you guys are finally hitting your stride where it's like, wait a second. We are comfortable with who we are. You know, we do have our lives together. We are, you know, we know the three of us and, and you know, your new guitar player, Joey, you guys are this new unit. It's like, it's kind of like just now, maybe for the first time ever, you guys are finally ready to hit your stride. It just took a long time. We feel we feel really um, excited about the spot we're we're in. That's for sure. It definitely, there's never been this kind of excitement around the used from the inside and out yeah. since since in Love and Death. So it's it's really cool, and I think that it makes sense when you hear. I don't know if they've sent you the record or if you've heard the whole thing. I haven't yet, heard but. the whole thing. I'm dying to hear it. I've only got because this just got confirmed like yesterday. So I, I only heard the the two uh, you know singles, "Blow Me" and uh, um, uh, "Paradise Lost." 
I'll hook you up, man. I'll send you a sneaky Sweet. peek when we're uh, done with this interview. But yeah, I think when you hear it, you 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 kind of um, get a feeling like, well, these guys are in a really good place, and they did whatever they wanted to do. This record is so all over the place. It's um, literally the poppiest used songs ever, and and the heaviest songs we've ever yeah. put out in 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 this really crushing kind of dichotomies. Um, feels really nice. So. Right. This record has a little bit of everything for everyone, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. Absolutely. So, you know, your struggles with, you know, drugs and alcohol and, and addiction are very well documented. You've spoken very openly about it, uh, but it's pretty far removed now. I mean, you've been sober since 2012. You know, we're coming up on eight years. You know, and now you now you say like, oh, I'm finally like I'm getting in shape and you look great, by the way. Um, Thank you, dude. you know, you, you got, you're eating healthy. It's, it's always interesting because I feel like when people first get sober and they're trying to find their footing, they're still like, they're still, I mean, you'll, you'll always be that addict. I'm not going to say you're not, but, but the closer you are to that, I feel like the further it is to latch on to something really positive. Has it just taken right. you this long to kind of get, get there? I think it's, it takes a bit of adjustment to like, to find where your addiction will be misplaced and where it will be redirected. I think at first I started really heavy with books and, uh, just reading all day long every day. Yeah. And, and that felt right for the time being, but it's so seclusive. It's so, you know, it's, it's reading a book is a, is a, is a lonely sport. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think for an, for an addict to find a healthy replacement and then find a routine for that healthy replacement, because we want to do everything all the way, 1000%, um, nonstop 24 seven kind of, that's usually the mentality behind a, a, behind a healthy addiction. And yeah, for me, it kind of took me a while to find my stride for sure. But, um, Every day is is also just that that same day. You know, anything could happen in in, in a moment of complacency or a moment of uh, of a lack of judgment. I guess you yeah. could say. Yeah, I think that uh, what's really helped me the most is to remember that every day is an opportunity for me to be the best me that day. And I'm not above alcohol. I'm not above heavy drug use. I'm nowhere near as powerful. I'm nowhere near as um, strong as I think I am. So just those, those, those humble thoughts can kind of keep me on the right track, I think. Yeah. I love it. I love the positivity, Bert. This is great. So um, I kind of want to talk about the early days because I've heard so many stories, you know, about how you guys kind of came to be, um, you know, and I, I mean, I know you've probably talked about it a million times, but I always like to set the record straight when we got some extra time. And, I remember you guys, your demos floating around the internet. I don't know if it was mp3.com or or what it was, but I remember you were just called Used. And there was a couple songs out and it seemed like there was so much hype. And then it was like, I don't know, I want to say like a year and a half maybe from there that I started hearing you guys on the radio and you were called The Used. And the story I heard was, you know, basically you guys... You were like homeless, you were on meth, then you were living in a trailer park, then you were in the band, then you made a demo, then John Feldman called, you had nine major label label offers, 
and then you got signed and you recorded your record and then you were an MTV. Is I mean, is that right? Because because it <laughs> it seems like such a whirlwind and it seems like it happened in such a short time. Yeah, when I look, I mean. I think that humans are so bad at, at remembering things. Like if you talk to old people in the old folks home, they will tell you their whole life story and it's not th- their life story at all. <laughs> so I'm wondering how much of this story has changed purely because of um, the story that's been told. But right. yeah, I was, I was um, living in a garage when I first hooked up with the guys. I was, uh, I was very lost and it was a, a serious crystal meth addiction. Um, so when I first started, hooked up with the guys and we were writing demos and then they would take me to narcotics anonymous meetings after. And yeah, it was, a, it was a, it was a pretty serious moment. I didn't know how I was going to do, hang out with a bunch of sober guys and well, they, make it work. Well, they must've, <laughs> they must've really seen something in you or heard something in you to put up with that. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know what I mean? Was, uh, like that's that's like, oh, who do we want to have? Well, let's have a full blown drug addict as our singer. That doesn't sound right. like a great career move. Yeah, I mean, not not to. I guess to be honest, I already had a bit of a reputation around the local scene. People had kind of seen a couple of the other bands I was in, so I think that they knew that I could sing and scream. Yeah, it was just how do we deal with this other part? But sure. we, the very first day we hooked up, we went to Jeff's mom's house and. um they had given me a, a little tape of maybe memories, the, uh, the music of maybe memories before. And so I wrote a little piece that night. So when they first picked me up, recorded the vocals that day. So I didn't really give them the opportunity to question it very much. The song killed immediately. And I remember we played that demo that we recorded in a bowling alley and people were like, holy shit, you guys are going to be huge. This is insane. This was like, this is like nothing else that's out there. And, uh, I think I was a little bit above all that hype at first. Being the hardcore kid, it was really kind of tough to process all that. All right. That. But yeah, it was it was um, a whirlwind. I think it was less than like three or four months before Feldman called us from Sweden. He was on tour there, and he's like, "I just got your demo. I'm freaking out. I'm gonna uh, the tour's over the day after tomorrow, and I'm gonna fly you guys out the second I get home, and we'll record a." proper EP for you guys and I'll find you guys a manager and then the managers will find you guys a record label. Then we'll take you on tour with Goldfinger. I was just like, what has happened? How did he get the demo? How did that happen? A lot of people, I think it even says on our Wikipedia that I threw a demo on stage at a Goldfinger show. A, I would have never been at a Goldfinger show. So that never happened. (laughs) B, our, our drummer at the time was just, um, is and has always been Mr. Celebrity Guy. Like, wants to be friends with every celebrity in the world. It's really important to him. He collects autographs and that kind okay. of shit. Okay. <laughs> so he was just sending demos to everyone. I'm pretty sure he sent the demo to John Feldman. So thanks a lot, Brandon. There you go. <laughs> Interesting. No, I just. Yeah, it was really I, yeah. after that we recorded the three songs Maybe Memories, Taste of Ink, and Box Full of Sharp Objects. And. Everyone we showed him to was obsessed and kind of fighting for the band. We had a huge kind of blowout uh, major label deal battle and all this, yeah, all this crazy stuff. For an 18, 19 year old, they're taking you to strip clubs and taking us all over the <laughs> New York City and flying us back and forth from LA to New York. It was, it, I mean, it was straight out of a movie. Could you handle that though? I mean, I mean, this obviously probably wasn't good for you. 
if you're recently, you know, like talk about meth addictions, no joke. You know, I mean, being put in this environment, it sounds like it's the worst thing that, that kind of could happen to you personally. It probably was. I, I mean, I was, I had, I had had a bit of clean time from drugs and alcohol. And then when we started cruising around with major labels, going to bars and strip clubs and everything, it was like, well, I'm, I think I'm okay to drink and I right. think Coke's okay. And I think <laughs> pills are okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the like, thing, right? You have a couple of drinks and then you think you can do anything and be okay. And that's, that's when you run into some problems. Yeah, my favorite um, quote about drinking is that F. Scott Fitzgerald quote. First I take a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes me. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I I was trying to find you on social media. I remember it was like, it used to be like Bro McCracken or something like years ago, but you're not on there anymore. Now it's, now I am. Are you? D-R-G-R-E-E-N-T-H-U-M-B. Dr. Green Thumb. No, I'm not. I'm not on social media at all. (laughs) Dr. Green Thumb? (laughs) There you go. Like Cypress Hill? I love that song. Yeah, no, it's not for me. It's not for, uh, I don't think it's for people like me. Truthfully, I don't think it's for humans. I think it's some of the worst thing that's ever happened. Like the telescreen in 1984, just constant feeding of propaganda and inferiority and just a a machine connected to you that tells you that you're not good enough 24-7. It's a pretty bad deal. Damn. I think you'd hit the nail on the head. But (laughs) But the reason I ask you, this isn't just a question out of nowhere. You know, you quoted, you made, you just, you know, it was a beautiful quote. And I went back and I found your Twitter that hasn't been, you haven't posted anything on in like seven years. And it's just all quotes. It's all like quotes from, from books and stuff. And that's like actually pretty productive. I mean, you know, that would be great if you could, you know, yeah, that'd be something I, that I, actually may be cool. Like, hey, Bert, Bert's social media is just actually like quotes that actually make you think that would be nice for a change with social media. But hey, what do I know? Just wondering. But then I'm plugged into the machine. Yeah. Then yeah, then then I have to be part of the uh, the algorithm and all that. It's just for me and my in my life for my for my positivity for my happiness. I I think for humans happiness, but I'll leave it alone. It's not for me. Well, you you live in Australia now, and you've been there quite some time, right? Yeah, I think I moved down there kind of right after I got sober. So it's almost been eight years as well. And well, that's, that's probably a change you needed at the time. Um, are you still, I mean, you talk about being plugged in to the machine, obviously now not being a citizen of the U or sorry, not being a resident of the U S anymore, still being a citizen. What are your, what's your take now? I mean, everything going on, you, you got out kind of just before it got crazy, but right now, obviously there's a lot going on politically, you know, with the whole democratic party and everything. Are you following this stuff? Or do you feel like you don't have to because you're a little bit more far removed? No, yeah, the U.S. affects the entire world, yeah. and it's all a, it's all a 
like a flow from the U.S. So you see this Donald Trump world kind of manifesting itself everywhere you go. The used, uh, the used has always been a band that finds the truth somewhere in the middle, and I think that that's exactly where we're at in this, in this like politically charged, politically correct, um, safe and triggered climate, safe with safe spaces, and I, I just think that on literally almost every issue the truth is somewhere in the middle and it's just really hard for people to talk about right now because everyone's kind of chosen a side yeah. and dedicated themselves so concretely to one side or the other that even mention something that's a little bit off of from the from the party message and it seems insane um but australia is full of white people who missed the way that it was. And instead of Mexicans, it's Chinese, right? So this, this, right. it's not a huge difference wherever you go, but, um, yeah, I think that the important truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think once we relax into, um, humans are really, really bad at adjusting to technology. If you look at the examples in history, I think that that's where we're at with social media. We're just really bad at the adjustment. I think that, like Pro Tools, you've noticed that when Pro Tools came out, things <laughs> sounded things sounded pretty crazy. And now we're coming almost full circle to where you have to you have to be a talented artist again. It's like everybody has the same plugins, right? It's all it's all super cheap now. Um, I think that in a way, politically, we'll get to that point. I think everyone will be so used to um, the way that it has been that we'll find a way to adjust through it. I mean. Things that are so simple, like words, that can now get you canceled from from modern life. It's just, it's a really uh, it's a really strange and and a lot of sticky situations out there for a band. Um, yeah, for any for anyone, I guess. We're making a little bit of a joke in Chicago. There's a girl in the front who is kind of getting slammed, as you will in the front row of any show. Of course. And she kept trying to stop the show and be like, "Hey, I'm." I'm getting hit on the head. <laughs> I think anyone who's seen the use knows that I'm um I'm, <clears throat> I'm full of jokes and that's pretty much it. <laughs> so I'm I kind of called her out and I'm like, I think this girl needs a safe space. She's feeling triggered. Right, <laughs> and right. People started booing me. Sure. At my own show. Of course. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. I know. Well, I guess that does play to what you're saying. Of there like the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? I mean yeah, you, can't, you can't stand in the front in the front of a show and get hit and it's like, well, don't stand there. It's like, well, I can stand wherever I want to. Well, no, you can't really, you're going to get hit. Yes, you can, but you're going to get hit. And that's, that's a bit of an analogy for, Hey, maybe just the world. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to, to think about respect and how tricky it is to figure out how to respect someone nowadays. It's like kindness isn't enough. Um, you have to understand the nuances of everybody's tortured life. It's like, how about we all just suck it up and realize there's <clears throat> way worse out there. I mean, we're not starving. We're not in war. Like if you look at the situation in Syria right now, it'd be yeah. really hard for you to complain yeah. about your social media. <laughs> well, I mean, you've, you've faced a tremendous amount of tragedy in your life too. I mean, you know, whether it's Kate or your friend, Tragen Lewis, or even Blake Donner, who, you know, old friend who you said introduced you to a bunch of your favorite bands. I mean, you've survived through all that. 
you know, um, and that's your take. It's it's just, damn. I mean, that's that's a lot. It's kind of amazing that you have survived. Yeah, I was thinking about it last night. How crazy it is. The old. I was watching the Master, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Joaquin Phoenix, and I wonder. You know, spent a whole bunch of the time watching the movie, wondering like how insanely difficult that must have been for Joaquin Phoenix to lose someone that was not only so talented, but they probably became so close while they were making that movie. Right. I think that when you when you're getting older, you realize <clears throat> those 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 experiences and those kind of situations will happen more and more and more, and it just it changes people completely. It changes people 100 percent and how we come out on the other side of a, of a tragedy is often the, the, the shape of the human we are. And it's, um, yeah, it's tough to stay positive in this world we live in. I'm, I'm, I feel really fortunate that I have a band to kind of sink all my, um, sink all the negativity into like a therapist journal, right. so to speak. Totally. Well, I mean, I guess everything you've gone through the used has been a constant, right? I mean, it's kind of always 100%. been there. That's that's yeah. that's something that most people. I mean, a lot of people have their family, right, or they have like their parents or something to lean on, kind of. But something like this, this the the used is not just the members of the band; it's a whole movement. And you know, you have your fan base is is as insane as any of any band. I mean, that's that's I guess that's always something you can look to, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it is comforting at times just to, just to put on the, put on the old music and, and remember what I was going through. And in, in retrospect, it's always, I think it's always helpful to remember the bad times and, and kind of be able to separate yourself. But yeah, the use has always been here for me. The fans have always been here. I, I don't know how it happened. I don't feel like I was, a uh, courageous or righteous enough person to to get what i have in my, to to have built this kind of insane and awesome life for myself but i'm here right now sitting in it so i will um i will savor every moment of it how cliche well you know if i had to describe you in one word um well let's let's pick <laughs> I'll, I'll say two words i would say the first word is honest you're very honest. You don't bullshit. And uh, you're a little crazy. And I feel like when you have those two combinations of things, people, they see themselves in you. You know what I mean? They, they see what they want to be in you. And I really think that right. that's the reason why you've been, you know, people genuinely look to you for inspiration. And like, even though they kind of know you haven't, don't have it all figured out, you have, you have wisdom in there and you have, you know, life experience in there. Um, and you don't, and you tell the truth. Well, that's an awesome compliment coming from a guy like you, man. <clears throat> I appreciate that. Well, I, I believe it, man. You've always been uh, very, very kind to me. So uh, I appreciate that. I've, I've found a place in my life right now where um, I could take the weight of anyone who needs to lean in. I have a, I have a loaded gun in my pocket of positivity bullets. <laughs> <laughs> and we've really been doubling down on that during the show. I try to. I try to talk about the things that have helped me get up and 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 stand tall on my feet. I try to look myself in the mirror and tell myself that I'm good enough and I'm handsome enough to be happy. I'm I deserve to be happy and I try to tell people to try that out and see how, see how fucked up it gets their day. 
It's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> I do like it. Uh, next year is going to be the 20th anniversary of the used. Are you so stoked? Are you aware? It's actually, You're aware. It's actually, it's actually this year we started in 2000. So, yeah. But uh, are, are you going to plan any kind of celebration or anything? Uh, you know, it's a big milestone. We have a new uh, record to tour on, so I'm sure there'll be some kind of excitement in the works. We're, um, I think, we're more fond of like a an oddball, or maybe a 21 year anniversary would be the <laughs> ticket. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it's, That's cool. It seems like we just did the um, anniversary of the first and second record tour like yesterday, although it's been like four years now. So we'll definitely have to plan out something cool. We're going to do uh, tons of tons of big tours this year and then a proper headlining tour for Heartwork next year and um, so much so much cool stuff coming for the use. I think it um, – I think this is a, a huge moment for our type of music anyways, for bands like ours. Um, there's a there's a band that quit and then came back who kind of opened up a big um, – opened up the floodgates a little bit. And I yeah, think that I've music, heard about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> music with um, feeling and music from the heart is having a, a crazy resurgence. So that's so awesome for bands like us, Warped Tour bands. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, huge, huge things coming. You've been you've been put on blast a little bit about talking about the potential of the used playing with my chemical my chemical romance. Is that uh is that a thing? I think we made a big deal of like the <laughs> relationship from the be- very beginning. Like I've been friends with Gerard sure. since the band broke up and but I mean definitely not as close as we were when we toured every single day together. But um yeah, I saw him at a Frank Iero show about four years ago and that's kind of when we reconnected um i am i i do like to tell jokes from stage but i texted him like dude i hope you guys know that that these are all just jokes to make us smile but we would we'd be honored to tour with you (laughs) i love that i love that if that's a thing yeah it's like it's like i know i'm just kidding but you know we will put our name in in the hat, you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, and like, I mean, the <laughs> night before the the whole thing, I'm like, I bet if I say we're going on tour with My Chemical Romance, that AP picks it up and fuck twelve other publications. And I was it's right. True. So it's kinda, hey, maybe. I, yeah, I'm and, that, and now exactly everyone knows there's new music coming out. So hey, you're you're a genius, dude. You're a genius, man. Uh, cool, man. Well, anything else to tell the people? Uh, I don't know what else to I what else wait. I have to ask you. I, I can't wait this. for the fans to hear this new music. I've been saying it like crazy. I've been saying it from stage, but never been more excited about a used record. That's honestly true. And it's just, it's so much fun. I don't think I've listened to a used record on repeat more than I've listened to this one. So can't wait for everyone to hear it. Really, really pumped. Hope you love it as much as I do. If not, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you make, you make music for yourself. I mean, you did it on the last record. And it was important. Now I think maybe you can make music for yourself and the fans. So uh, of course. it's, yeah. you know, have your cake and eat it too. 100%. This Except one's for Feldman. You don't look like you're eating any cake. You look like you're eating very well. So You got to have a cheat day if you're going to stay sane. Ah, there you go. There <laughs> you got to eat a little bit of cake if you're going to stay sane. Just a little bit. I love it. Well, Bert, thank you so much for doing this. Here You're is welcome, here's some tunes. Here's Paradise Lost, a poem by John Milton on Weed Singer Syndrome. Oh, yeah. Peace and love.
on that promise and he did send me the record right after we spoke and it is banging and he's right it does have some heavy stuff it does have some soft stuff it's a really really great record and it comes out in april and they're not pushing it back they're just giving the middle finger to the coronavirus and fuck it it's coming out on the day it was supposed to come out and who knows hopefully by then maybe this will all just be like a bad dream Anyway, thank you again for tuning in. I'll be back next week with another great episode. So many great guests coming up. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Stay away from other people. Don't leave your house unless you absolutely have to. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast. 
I will lead you out of this thing with a tune, Cypress Hill and Dr. Green Thumb on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next time.